And hello everyone. Welcome to the Warper. No, that's the wrong one. That's that's my old wrong school. Pod, wrong, wrong podcast. Wrong, pod, wrong, wrong podcast. podcast. We can that one. This is the Two Back Set Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas, aka Mr. Warper. Joining me as always is Patrick, aka Mr. Fusion. Greetings and salutations. We'll figure out what fucking podcast we're doing yep. here. In a little this bit. is not the Warper Confusion Entertainment Review. This is the Two Back Set, a college football podcast where Fusion and I focus on our own individual teams amidst the greater landscape of college football. I am a Hawkeye fan. Fusion is a Texas Longhorns fan. Obviously, the Hawkeyes are on a bye this week, but I still have some things to talk about. So, we're going to talk with our teams from last week, then, we're going to talk national landscape going into week nine and give our picks for our week nine games. So of the teams that came away, I believe Texas was on a bye last week, so they're going in yep. this week. We'll probably yep. end with Texas, and we'll maybe, maybe we just start with Iowa just to get okay. the Iowa of it out of the way because their loss was rather controversial regardless of what P.J. Fleck wants to say. Right. Um, his was There was nothing controversial about it, which like everyone's talking about, you know, is Kirk going to retire? Brian's got to go. I want Kirk to come back and not – either not handshake P.J. Fleck again because he didn't this year, unless I don't think he did, or say in the press game, well, there was nothing controversial about that after they beat him in Minnesota next year. You thought the, you know, take the take Floyd and leave the timeouts on the field was a vintage Kirk Fair moment? That would be right. the all-time right up there with 6-4, I don't give a fuck about you moment from Kirk Ferentz. But obviously they lost. They lost full to Rosedale, 12-10 to Minnesota, only had two yards in the second half absolutely atrocious offensive play calling offensive execution just terrible you only gave up 12 points three of which were on a short field turnover inside the 25 yard line like you absolutely should have ran away with this game if you had any semblance of an offense that wasn't averaging to a t 2200 sorry 232.4 yards per game and 19.5 points per game respectively that is 132nd in the nation and 113th if they were 99 in both, they win this game by three scores. I don't think that's a stretch because they would have been able to string together drives and kick enough field goals to win by enough or at least punch it in a couple times. Like just awful, awful all the way around. But the play, the call, as a non-Iowa fan, we're talking, of course, Cooper DeGene's punt return. You didn't, you don't have an interest in Iowa, like a rooting interest. Sure. Watching the play live before it all happened, before you saw the call, what's your takeaway of it? How could they really? Okay. The coach, I mean, the, the refs on the field, in my opinion, called it right. And it was overturned by the review review refs up in the booth. Mm -hmm. That's That's a problem for me because that's essentially how the game ended. Yes, because the refs the knew yeah, Iowa's got no shot to move the ball here. Everyone in the right. stadium knew. That's right. why the fans went fucking ballistic. It wasn't because yeah. of just the turn. It was we all knew the game's over. Yep. So Cooper DeGene returning that punt for a touchdown, that, okay. I, I tried to do my best in playing devil's advocate this week with people that have I've had arguments with regarding the fair catch, the waving. I'm sorry, guys, but if you've watched enough special teams in football, you know when you see the returner guiding his guiding the rest, like his team, like that's really it. And not that we're not where... talking the the getaway because Cooper's no. got a very clear getaway signal. Yes, yeah, no, that wasn't a getaway signal. The ball was in the air, and he was pointing out to his team where, like, 
his players yeah. where to block and look for immediately as soon as the ball's in the air yeah. he knows yep. where it's going he's got a yep. sixth sense for the ball you can see it yep. when he's covering punts he just knows where the ball's gonna go with just a quick glance it's like he's playing a center field position he gets and it. it's just it's insane to me that like we've had some really controversial endings to games here and there even in the texas game the week before where um yeah the spot against houston the spot against oh yeah they houston. weren't on a bye they were playing houston i'm stupid yeah yeah that was two weeks ago they were on a bye <laughs> they, yeah i'm sorry it's been it's been a day i had to move a doghouse and have an, an extra long day at work sorry to be fair to be fair it wasn't a pretty game by any means and texas coming out flying and then just letting U of H go back and forth and then that spot call was controversial hey i'm gonna be real with you man I dealt with it for 26 years with the Big 12 reps, you know, just botching calls all the time. Texas has been a victim of many of those Big 12 ref uh, screw-ups. Hey, U of H, good luck to you, man. You know, good luck to you next year and going forward. Welcome to the Big 12, like where the refs do play a pivotal role in deciding a game. Um, do I think that U of H got that first down? Possibly from the angle that you that they showed us on television, it looked like he got it, but it could, you know, well, you and you know this, Thomas. The other angles sometimes can show you a completely different, like the like, refs even but, admitted admitted as much about yeah. this Cooper DeGene call, which is the thing yeah. I'm most hot about. Yeah, I know. So when we get to this one, I'm like, yeah, you sent you sent that clip right away as soon as it happened. I saw the touchdown because I saw the score, and I'm like in our Discord. I'm like, oh shit, I was gonna pull it out after all. And then you know, a minute later, I see the score come off the board. I'm like. Uh-oh, what happened? And you were just, you were losing it. You're like, oh my God, how the hell did we? And then you posted the clip and I'm like, oh shit. So I went back and pulled the game up because I had it on YouTube TV, but on a different browser channel that, was, that wasn't that uh, was active. So I just clicked on it, looked at it, rolled back to the, to the play. And I'm like, holy cow, how'd they get this wrong? And then I didn't realize that, oh my God. The, and I turned up the audio, audio. I'm like, oh my God, the refs didn't call this. The review booth did. I'm like, Holy shit, what are, oh, this is bad. But like you said, PJ Fleck and the Big 12 officials, they have to do their best to to cover their tracks because they know they know they screwed that up. That yeah. was a massive, massive screw up. Now, where's it, what's different here is that like with Texas and o, U of H, they never showed a different angle, another angle on the broadcast. They just showed that top right side view downward. And that's all you see. And there's players that are blocking, but based off of where you just you think about physics, okay, more than likely he he just broke the plane to get the first down. It, on the other side, it could be a completely different angle that shows you, hey, he didn't really get the ball was over here. Like you don't see a lot of that. A lot of it was covered up by other players, so you didn't see a lot of that. This was different. This was Cooper DeGene by himself, dude, by himself, and the camera is on him. How do we make this? How do we miss this call, dude? I don't get it. Because here's my breakdown of it. So as soon as the ball is kicked, Cooper knows where it's going. He knows it's going right. left for him, yep. right off the punter's foot. He knows right. it's going to be a short kick. He's immediately pointing with the right. And then yep. he starts his motion to his yep. left. Now his left arm is extended and quote unquote waving, but it's really doing like this circular motion while also pointing. That's I've watched him return punts. It's not his getaway signal. It's it's no, just that, not. He's trying was... to be like, hey, get left because i'm gonna return this well that's what that's what he's saying he's telling them 
turn around because they were more than likely the you like you said it was a short punt. So the Iowa the Iowa um, uh, defense is looking at him coming backwards, right? He's telling them turn around because this is quick. I'm going to start running with the ball. You need to get into blocking mode now. That's what he's telling them. Like turn around, get into blocking mode, and that's what yeah. he's telling them. You can plainly and, see and that. And he's had a punt hand. hit a gunner this year, so he he's got a getaway signal. This was yep. not that. And the other part of this is that is ambiguous as all hell. Yep. The fact that such an ambiguous ambiguous thing, what is a body motion of a wave of a because the poison if he had called getaway and returned it, yes, invalid signal, can't return it. Right. But that's not what he was doing. No player on the field, no coach, no ref, nobody thought he was calling poison. Because Cooper knew our offense sucks. I have to return this. Right. I don't return this 10 yards, we're fucked. I doubt he was thinking touchdown. He was thinking field goal range because Drew Stevens is a hell of a kicker. But he knew he had to return it. And again, right. you're talking subjective, you know, what is a guy thinking in these moments? Sure. But just watching it live, knowing the situation of the game, the refs also not calling it on the field. Returning, overturning that on review is not the spirit of review. And again, by the letter of law, people are going to say, oh, you know, it, you know, it says any waving motion. That is so broad. You have to run with your arms straight because you're shocker. Your hands move when you run. Right. Like it, that is so overly broad. It needs to be tightened up. So number one on review, those don't happen because he's clearly not going across his body. I would love to see a, a rule where it's like, you have to wave across your body as, which is the getaway signal. Well, and that's what, and that's what most that's when I played football, and, and it or, was a, or a motion that, that uses both well, hands, whether they cross or not. Yeah. When you call a fair catch, you're 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 coached up to wave. Yeah, as that high is the actual can. fair catch. That is fair catch. Okay. Over the head across. But they the always, face but they mask. always tell you that if the ball is because honestly, sometimes a kicker does line drive. They knuckle it to where it doesn't have that upward trajectory. It's coming at you almost like it's sideways, right? And when it comes at a sideways angle or like a straight knuckle ball, you have to just. Do the fastest that you can, but the one thing they always teach you is make sure you cross your body with your hand. You have to cross your body. He didn't do that. He was staying on the left side with his hand because he was telling his guys, turn around, turn around, start blocking. the." Because, like, it's a short kick. The gunners are going to basically just maul me if you don't turn around and get to your blocks. That's really what that was. That was, that was telling his team to get in position to start blocking. And yeah, no Minnesota player held up. They went. They, they were slow. They were slowing down because they also knew it was because they could see. Hey, it's not going to be a deep punt, and they also know their punter well enough. They they knew it was going to hit the ground. Right. So you can't go hit him before it hits the ground. So of nope. course you have to slow down. Right. And then he makes one of the most electric plays I have ever seen a college football player make. It it was incendiary. It was incendiary is the only word you could give that play. Takes Dukes out seven dudes along the sidelines whilst keep by, with like a whole foot without going out of bounds. Absolute insanity. That's why I said right. in my Discord, he may be the best athlete in college football right now. For, like pound for pound, he might be. Ooh. Because like what he can do with the ball, and you, any other, any other program in the country, that dude's playing both ways. He's that good. And it's just because he's at Iowa, we don't. It, it it he's going to shock people when he gets to the combine because this year the turnover numbers aren't as high as they were last year, especially the touchdowns. Though that may change because we're playing some not very good quarterbacks in the next couple of weeks. 
or few weeks after the bye week. But especially at Wrigley against Northwestern, nor- November day, that's going to be a nightmare for passing games, most likely, because the weather's going to really turn this weekend. It's going to suck for the rest of the fall. But once he gets to the combine, if he actually comes out, depending on where teams fall in the draft order and who needs a quarterback and who needs, you know, a defensive pass rush or who needs a tackle, sure. wouldn't shock me if he's like in the 8 to 10 range of the draft. Like in well, more like the 8 to 15, really. But like, wouldn't shock me if he ends up even in the top 10. He's going to absolutely shock people when he gets to the combine. What he can do physically. Oh, where it starts is his is his uh, shuttle drill with the cones. Dude, he's gonna yards. dominate that. I mean, if he runs like a four four forty, he's going to shoot up the charts in the draft. But you do like here's the thing: it's a very quarterback heavy draft. It is, really year. is this year. It just depends very, on very where heavy. the teams need. Because like Indy yep. just lost their quarterback, they're not gonna need a quarterback if they finish in the top ten. They don't need one. You know, Chicago might end up with two picks. Are they going to move again, on from fields? Again, Cleveland has Houston's pick. If Houston ends up being a top 10 pick, they're obviously going to draft a quarterback. Given Most definitely. The, they're going the to. Disaster, the disaster of Deshaun Watson this year, that $32 million contract. But you, you think about like, just, okay, let's go down real quick. The Broncos, do they draft a quarterback? And have they have to. Under, under Russell Wilson? Okay, okay. Uh, the Titans, they're going to give uh, uh, Levis the ball this week. Let's see how it goes, you know. Um, but... They could be in play. I think the Patriots would draft a quarterback. Obviously, yeah. the Jets. The Jets would. Pat, Pat, do the Jets have their pick? Yeah, they do. They have their first rounder. Right. But I don't know how many dudes that are gonna like. We. I think GMs have been like, yeah, we're not gonna reach for quarterbacks anymore. You know what when I mean? Really like at, they need to do, be top yeah. end draft talent, good. But when you because we like, remember Sam like Christian Ponder, like teams aren't gonna pull that anymore. Yeah. You have to be a top ten talent to get taken when, that when high. You look at the, when you look at the charts, there's not a lot. The Arizona Cardinals, obviously, they're drafting a quarterback. Panthers have Bryce Young. They're not going to do it, right? The Bears, maybe. The Giants, maybe. Uh, that's NFC. Like, AFC, possibly the Broncos. But, like, we're talking about seven of the college, like, seven of the yeah. top college quarterbacks in this draft. Could go top 10. Top but. 10. It's like, but when you, when you mix that in with, with, like you said, offensive line, edge rushers, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one of the top five picks in the Probably. draft. Probably. If, if not a quarterback, it does make it hard for Cooper DeGene to be up there. But, you know, what's the Tal- thing? But Cooley, talent, the- yeah, talent-wise, he's there. I just don't yeah. know, depending on need, where he falls. Right. right. Yeah. But but like you said, in the meantime, he should be playing both ways because depth is a problem with the offense that I Yeah, we, we can't pass. Don't pass. Like, Scott right. Docterman, who is a, a, a number one, to, just to put a button on the to, on the return issue, Sure. it should never have been returned. If they would have blown it dead... Everyone would have lost their minds, but hey, they blew it dead, right? right. They didn't. Right. Refs have called invalid signal on the field during a return and blown the whistle. Oh, yeah. They didn't do that here because they didn't on the field think it was an invalid signal. Nope. They also knew Iowa's setting up for a return, which me to me spells out number two things. Number one, they need to rewrite that rule to be far less ambiguous in terms of body movement, what actually constitutes an invalid signal. And I think they need to codify what is the getaway signal. They will not Whether, do that just like the NFL is. They shouldn't. Catch, they're not catch. going to, but they no. should because they it's, could easily diagram. It's this. It's this. You know, right. like what it is. They did confirm verbally saying getaway poison. I'm not. Re-. They could. You could verbally say I'm not returning this and still return it. That's fine. Right. It's your physical motion. They could diagram that of like, hey, 
punt returners, punt like special teams coaches. This is the actual signals you can give that are in like invalid that we will blow plays dead for. Sure. Because you're putting players in such a hard position, both as the returner and the gunners, that if the guy just sticks his arm out and runs with his arm straight out and doesn't move it, that's an invalid signal? That that to me is mind-boggling. That it's so ambiguous. And then then you're go to parts- asking a you're asking a lot. The re- the reason why I say that is because just like the NFL, officials want to have a loophole for screw ups. I no, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm still saying it's reviewable. Like leave it reviewable. I don't care. Okay. okay. Leave it reviewable. But you need to make the actual what the motions mean. Sure. You need to make it far clearer because he's clearly not doing the getaway. Like that. The distinction between what's a getaway. Sure. Versus what he did needs to become crystal damn clear. And you maybe even do, maybe you even make it more prevalent for reviewing those. You know, maybe you make that a point of emphasis. Hey, we're going to review punt returns more to watch for invalid signals. Because players are brought up and coached up in a world where this has never been enforced. Sure. Right? Where, so like, how are players supposed to know that? How are coaches supposed to know that? Yes, it's their job to know the rules. But at what point does a rule become unenforceable because it's never been enforced correctly? That's something that's clearly something the NCAA will have to check with, like work with here. Something will need to change. This can't stand. The, the status quo is not good enough. Not, not just because it happened to Iowa on a big stage, but because it's so ambiguous. You're even even later in the day, North Carolina had a 10 yard return on a on a poison call. Like it was a straight poison call and the guy returned it. They didn't blow the whistle. Like, they didn't return it. They didn't overturn it. No penalty. Like, that's the level of inconsistency, crew to crew, that makes this rule unenforceable, in my opinion, as it's currently written. Number two, the review process should be looked at to the point where I think they need to weight more heavily what the on-field refs thought than what right. the review guy thinks in, in like, these kind of situations where it's a body motion intent thing. Right. Where it's not like where the ball was. That's like that a camera can tell you, you know, it's not, Hey, what's the actual wording of the rule? Because the on field ref doesn't know. Right. What did the refs in the moment think? If they thought it was fine, I don't give two shits what the guy in the booth thinks. If nobody on the field complained, if no coach came up and said, Hey, look at this, it stands, clean up the game, make it go quicker. There were six fucking reviews in that game, dude. And it was already a slog enough to watch with these offenses. The NCAA's got to clean this up with the review process. That was a bad review process, in my opinion. That was not the spirit of what review is for, in my opinion. Sure. Oh, sorry, my phone's freaking out. Got an Amber Alert in my area. That's Des Moines, technically, so it's like two hours away. But All right, so we're done with Iowa. Okay. Um, other than I want to say, Brian Ferentz absolutely needs to be fired. Jesus Christ, this is terrible. And if Kirk goes, Kirk goes. I really don't care at this point. It would suck. The guy's so close to 200 wins at Iowa, it would suck. But I want to leave this note on one thing. Clearly, Ken O'Keefe was a far bigger linchpin of Iowa's offensive, just average success than anybody realized. Because he left in twenty after the 2021 season. And the bottom was already kind of falling out, but there were still some high points. You know, Tyler Goodson was a great back, and we used him really fairly well in, like, the Maryland game. Scored 50-some points. I think it was 51. You know, had some decent games. 
got the 10 wins. But it was almost kind of clear he was checking out towards the season end because Petrus regressed hard that season because O'Keefe was the offensive advisor and QB coach. Clearly, he was there to, hey, Brian, I'm going to hold your hand through this process as you learn how to be an offensive coordinator because he was Kirk's first offensive coordinator, I think, if I'm remembering the history right. And clearly, his most successful. It is decent QB coach. Like Iowa had some decent QBs, you know, Brad, like Brad Banks, Drew Tate, Ricky Stanzi, CJ Bethard, Nate Stanley. Like Stanley's second all time in touchdowns and yards at Iowa, right? Like pretty good QB, not all timer, but pretty good. Then the bottom fell out when he left the program. The bottom just absolutely like imploded. Not even fell out. It's just it disappeared. And because nobody's telling Brian, hey, you can't run three routes within 15 yards of each other going to the same side of the field. Of course no one's fucking open, you dipshit. You need to have a hot route receiver for when there's an obvious blitz. Like, Jesus Christ. You can run read option when there's 10 dudes in the box and you'll fucking destroy them. Like, Minnesota had like 9, 10 guys in the box and they're flowing with the running back every single play. It's like, Jesus Christ, you put Cooper DeGene in there? Number one, they're not going to put those guys in the box like that, and they're not going to flow like that. They're going to try to stay home more. But if they do, he can run it, and that dude can throw because he was a high school quarterback. And then you have Seth Anderson on a go route. Touchdown. This is not hard. This is high school level decision making. What is this shitty defense doing because they're making themselves shitty because they know we suck they're making themselves so damn predictable and we can't take advantage of it. And I don't want to say Minnesota's got a shitty defense. It's not what I mean. I'm meaning they're making themselves one-dimensional because they know we can't do shit about it. And it sucks. It's not fun to watch. I hate it. All right, we're done talking about Iowa and that's why I'm not wearing any Iowa gear until they get another win. Sicko's committee had all the way. All right, Fusion your floor for the rest of college football before we get into week nine. What the hell happened with North Carolina? We, we spent like five minutes last week praising North Carolina, Mac Brown, Tez Walker, Drake may being a potential Heisman dark horse, all this shit for them to lay an egg against one in five Virginia. What the hell happened? The only thing I can think of, it's like when Ohio State played Purdue, you know? Like, like Trent Tyler, what was that Trent Tyler game where the kid was like, he was dying of, um, oh God, was it cancer? It was cancer. You know, like that game, you know? Yeah. Or when yeah. they when Iowa jumped up and just absolutely bushwhacked Ohio State, you know? Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. It's just, on any given Saturday, they are, yeah, they are this, college kids. This is, this is the any given Saturday approach, and that's what the broadcasters were saying, the the... the on the call, the play-by-play and color guy, we're both saying that any given Saturday, like it's be and the scary part about that was you're talking about in the last 24 minutes of that game, North Carolina was only able to muster up three points, three points against Virginia. Who and the the thing is, is that when I saw Virginia leading, I turned on the game for like I said, like the last ten. I think the last, I think I caught it for most of the fourth quarter. And what I saw was a Virginia team that was just flying over, all over the field. And the thing is, is that, like I said, the broadcasters, they were, they were just beside themselves with the effort that, North, that Virginia was putting in. And 
they were shocked at what happened with North Carolina, like their offense, because, you know, we saw the week before Tess Walker had three touchdown catches and made it look like this guy is going to be legit. Like he should have been playing all season, right? He would have been, North Carolina would have been in the top 10 already. And then they just, they screw the pooch with this game, man. That was a very frustrating uh, defeat just because of the fact that you and I put so many cards at the table praising North Carolina. Last yeah, week. we really thought they crazy. were ready to take that step, and nope. Nope. It just you know, goes Louis to show Bill- like what giving a shit about a game means. Right. I mean, it, it, it goes a long way, man. It really does go a long way. And with Duke-Louisville being one of the pick'em games this week, obviously both of those teams have one loss both in the conference – and Duke having two losses against North Notre Dame and who was who, who did they lose to last week? Notre Dame and Florida State. Yeah, it opens the it opens outside of Florida State being undefeated. It opens up you know number two in the ACC now, mm-hmm. and here comes Clemson kind of just chugging along at four and three now. You know, like they're still kind of like, hey, don't forget about us. But they're yeah, like Louisville's like, hey, Jeff Brom. He's in his promised right. land. He's back home, baby. Right, right. I mean, Louisville's three and one in the conference. North Carolina is now three and one. Duke is uh two and one, and Virginia Tech is two and one. But does the Notre Dame loss count? Uh yeah. Because they have the Florida State one. Does they have two? Oh wait, they have the Florida State. No. What are you talking about? Florida State, Notre Dame. Wait, who did Duke all lose to? Duke lost to Florida State. No, Duke lose, Duke lost to Florida State and uh, uh, Florida State and Notre Dame. Yeah, those two. But I mean, is Notre Dame a conference loss? No, it's not. Because they are like they're affiliated with the. They're with affiliated, the but not in football. Not in football. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything basketball. else. Yeah. Yeah, basketball and baseball. They're affiliated. I mean, they're conference losses. They, they yeah. count. Sorry, everybody. I so, I don't follow so, the ACC that much because Notre Dame yeah. should be in the Big Ten, but the pussies aren't. So I don't give a whatever. shit about them. Whatever Notre Dame, whatever. Um, but yeah, Duke is technically still two and one in the conference. So even though they have those two losses, so um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go for Florida State here because I think they have a cakewalk the rest of the way. Yeah, they have Wake Forest. Pitt Pitt could be an interesting game for Florida State. Not gonna lie, it could be an interesting game. Miami, eh? Okay, that'll be kind of fun to watch. North Alabama, and then fl- finishing off against Florida. Yeah, whatever. Florida, yeah. yeah. Florida's not Florida anymore. They got Grand Merch. Um, I'm sorry, I can only get so excited. It's it's Florida State's conference to lose, but you know, nipping at the heels are Louisville and North Carolina now. But that loss really took a hit on North Carolina, losing to Virginia one in five. Virginia. When does one North Carolina and Louisville go down? North Carolina and Louisville. They don't face sorry. each other. I'm sorry, everyone. I can't pull up so many like tabs anymore because yep. my computer, if I have too many tabs, I'm running OBS, and it would not North, be good. North, North Carolina does not face Louisville on their on their schedule. Yeah, they don't. So yeah, because they're they, in. They have, they have yeah. Duke. They have later. They have Duke and Clemson, and then they finish off against North Carolina State to end the season. But yeah. that Duke and that, that those two games could really be critical, particularly yeah. the Duke game. But yeah, this can Yeah, Duke absolutely needs to win this game to have a shot. Yeah. You want to go right into it? Let's go into the pickums. Obviously, your first game is Duke, uh, twenty number 20 Duke versus number 18 Louisville. Yeah, a um, bunch of 230 games this week for a pickem. Yeah. Yep. And the other thing is of these, um, we'll just say it, of the of these five pickums, three of them, the road team are favored. Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting thing here to show this lineup. 
I, I will be honest, man, I'm going with Louisville here just because Duke just took it on the chin last week. So I think Louisville has something to prove. They want they want to get back up there and because and, and, they were on a roll. Brom had them on the roll, like things were going well, and they suffered that loss. So I think I'm gonna pick Louisville. They're gonna make a statement this week against Duke. Fair it's enough. I, I, I concur. I think Louisville at home, I think they've just got enough in like I don't know how much Duke has left coming off the losses middle of the season. Yeah. In terms of like, can they go on the road and really deliver a punch to a good Louisville team? Right. Like that's easier said than done, especially like and we keep harping on like Jeff Brom's a damn good coach. Right. You know, he can really scheme a defense out of position consistently. And I just don't see him going into Louisville and winning. So I'm with you. I'm going Louisville. I think coming off that pit loss was really big for Louisville. You know, that was kind of a whole yeah. Brom the Brom Bowl game kind of like pissed off. I think I think Louisville comes off pit comes back comes out pissed off and they I know the defenses for the defenses for both teams are kind of evenly matched. I obviously the offensive edge is uh is Louisville. I think they're gonna come out and, and they're they're four point favorites. I think they I think they 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 beat that four points. Yeah, I believe. Fair enough. So our second game, and this is the one I have to put in because I was not playing. But also because it, it should be a tight game. Whether or not it'll be fun to watch, I don't know. But Iowa State goes to Baylor, 2.30 on ESPN+. Plus. So really, you can't watch it anyway. But uh, Iowa State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Basically yep. a pick em. Uh yep. Iowa State's offense has significantly improved since I watched them last against the Hawkeyes. They've completely changed their scheme, which I didn't realize you could do middle season. Someone should tell Brian Ferentz. Um, they're, they just seem like a better team now than they were. And they were very young, which makes sense. Now they're getting a lot of reps. They're freshmen are actually playing consistent minutes and they're really figuring out how to play at the college level. I think they go into Baylor and I think they easily beat the two and a half. It wouldn't shock me if they win by seven or more. I'm picking, I'm picking Iowa state as well. I think, uh, they're three and one in the conference. They want to stay in the mix with, you know, kind of that whole, yeah, cause like who'd have thought with all the gambling shit, yeah. here comes Iowa state. Three and one in conference. All they but need that, to do that, is go up and gra- grab somebody by the ankle and pull them down. And holy shit, Iowa yeah. State might have a shot to them in the Big Twelve Championship game. They have a very they have a very interesting schedule. They they got Baylor this week. They have Kansas, BRU, Texas, and then close out against Kansas State. If they win some of those games, they're not going to be ranked, but they're going to get some votes. A yeah. few votes at least. Actually, if they win they're out, they're ranked. Oh, they yeah, if they win out, they're going to be ranked. Uh, because more than likely they're going to be facing Oklahoma for the Big Twelve title game, right? Yes. Um, but that loss against Ohio against Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio was an ugly loss. That's that the thing. I don't know how the tiebreakers work because they're not playing Texas, and you guys don't have divisions, right? They're playing Texas. They're playing Texas as the second to the last game. Oh, I didn't hear you say Texas. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's they go they go Baylor, Kansas, BYU, Texas. And then Kansas. Oh, sorry, State. I just heard you go right to Kansas okay, State. If, My if bad. They run, if they run the table, they're not going to just be. Right. I don't they're think they're do beating it. Texas. No. But no. Matt Campbell, team, you know, teams getting better through the season. Late, late in the season, Iowa State, crazier shit has happened. You know. Yeah. I am picking Iowa State to win this game. I agree. Yeah. I think they go into Waco, and they uh, they put the screws to Baylor. Baylor's Baylor's just having a really bad season. Yeah, I think they're. I just don't see them turning it around and getting you know no. to some level of respectability this season. No. All right, of course your team. We have BYU coming to Austin, taking on the number seven Texas Longhorns, two thirty on ABC, the national broadcast. Texas is a seventeen and a half point favorite at home. 
assume we're both going Texas. Going Texas, and I'm going to be somewhat controversial here. They're not going to cover. The reason why is Quinn Ewers isn't playing. He's going to be out the next three or four weeks with a shoulder injury. I Malik Murphy is a kind of like Deacon Hill, a huge guy playing quarterback, right? He's Deacon a, Hill's a big fucking boy. He's he's like six five, six four, six five, two fifty. Like that's he's a he's a he's a man he's a man child. Like Malik Murphy is a giant nineteen year old. Got it. He's got a rocket of an arm. But what I I've seen the last two seasons when he's been able to get in and throw passes, he doesn't have any touch to his throws. So yeah, he, he's basically Texas is Deacon Hill. Yeah, he knuckleballs everything right like a five yard out but he just completely just drilled that ball and i'm like he has no touch the other thing is is that we might potentially get to see the new manning this week which is arch manning the freshman arch manning you know uh peyton's uh peyton's uh nephew has stark ever had stark ever had the two quarterback like alternate by quarter thing well i mean he's he's had quarterbacks come in he's had malik and he's had them run the wildcat with quarterbacks the last yeah. couple years um I know Hudson Card and Casey Thompson had issues. Like, they rotated in and out. I will you know, say, though, uh, Iowa playing Purdue, I can see why Card didn't work out. Man, you know, that I really, dude I really takes, hope... like, shotgun approach to, like, I'm going to shotgun this football somewhere. Like, right. damn. He, he, he just doesn't have quarterback vision. And I was hoping for the best. Like, had he just been slightly better, he, they would have beat Alabama last year after Ewers went down. That's going to be a big issue for, for, for Texas. But the good thing is, is that it's not a murderer's row on their schedule. So they've got three or four weeks to get it together. They have a great defense. They have a solid running game. Just put the – Sark knows how to call plays. The defense has issues because they gave up a lot of points in the secondary, particularly the secondary. The speed at the safeties has been exposed. We've I've mentioned this multiple times. It's been exposed, and now it's out there in public. Like, it's out there – in college football, if you could find space with the safeties, you could burn them. And that's happened. U of H did it because they have very speedy, smaller, but speedy receivers. And they were able to get huge chunks of yardage. That's not BYU's MO. We I don't want to uh, alarm you, but I didn't realize it was at Ames in November. With with maybe without your quarterback. Ooh, that, that game suddenly looks way more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's this week is going to be a huge litmus test for what the Longhorns could do. At, yeah, what they can look like without a starter, yep. what their backups look like, and how they respond emotionally. Now, Malik Murphy was a guy that a lot of people thought could be a really good college quarterback. I'm not saying he's not. I'm just telling you a big hole in his – he's huge. He can run the ball. You know, they have a running game. What's his arm going to look like? throughout an entire game throwing short routes throwing cross just routes, hearing you talk reading. about the guys i'm like number one you go arch and you run wildcat way more than you have with right. your number two right or you go like a straight rpo package with him well you know he's coming he came off an injury last year so malik murphy is going to get the benefit of the doubt because of the work he's put in the last two seasons yeah. right i understand that but i also think that in my opinion I believe because apparently last, especially because those first couple drives, you can script to hell. Yep. Might yeah, as well yeah, go the with first, the freshman. Yeah, exactly. But I think they're going to start Malik Murphy. But here's the thing is I, I believe I know I, I have an idea of what Sark's going to do. He's going to have a script to open the game with Malik Murphy. And if he feels like he has to put in uh, Arch Manning, he's going to have a secondary script for Arch Manning. 
to make sure to put him in position. We're gonna get. To, I I believe we're gonna see him this week. Oh, I believe this is a. This I would be stunned if we don't. He has to do it just because he's got to stretch out because they've got Kansas State next week, and Kansas State is three and one of the conference as well. They have two losses on the season. TCU isn't TCU like they were the years past, but like you said, Iowa State's gonna be an interesting game. Texas yeah. Tech is horrible, but they always play up when they face the Longhorns. So it's going to. This is shit. A really I might good... have to see if I can get tickets to that Iowa State game. Now I think about my who that November is looking 18? spicy. How far is Ames from you? Uh, Ames is like an uh, hour 45. Oh, that's not far at all. No, okay. see, all Kinnick's right. four. Kinnick's fucking okay. forever. That's why I don't yeah. get to any Hawkeye games. It's just, god damn. It is so hard to get there. And that's oh, well, ha- there that's half go, the man. reason Iowa basketball gets a terrible attendance because their fans are spread there. out the whole state. That, that Iowa State game may be a fun game after all. Well, we have, we have what, three weeks? For, we yeah. Have three weeks now three to, weeks? See where, to see where Texas is at and to see if Iowa State really is on the upswing. you know, they've, they've, Watching what I have of them, they do look like, I get the feel of like those earlier, like I would say mid-tenure Kirk teams where you're like, dude, by November, nobody wanted to play those dudes. Like, that's what I'm getting. That's what I've always got the sense from Campbell. He's one of those kind of coaches. Yeah. And that's what makes me like, ooh, I'm circling that game. Okay. Well, that's the one for us to keep an eye on. But obviously, Arch is going, he's, yes. getting, he's getting reps this week. I, you know, they're they're kind of playing coy with how much he will see the field. I have a feeling he's going to see the field early in the game. I mm-hmm. think they're going to rotate them out. Got to get him ready early. Yeah, you got to get him ready because if it doesn't work out, you let him get a lot of reps in this game. You're going to you're going to be beat. I mean, it's going to be very hard for them to to uh to lose this game. I say that, but they almost lost last week against Houston. So I say that now, but I mean, it, it could be a situation where BYU has a has a game plan in place to really exploit you know the defense, but they're not a throwing team. We know this. They're they've never been a throwing team. So why would BYU change that? They may decide to just catch them off guard and start flinging the ball around this this week. Yeah. You know? But this will be a good test for what the Longhorns can do without Quinn Ewers. And you get to see, hey, how Malik Murphy handles adversity or handles the situation of starting with everything on the line. And you have Arch Manning that could be seeing the field as well. So you have your 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 more than like current. You have your present and your future like ready to go. And I'm still picking the Longhorns. I don't think they make. I don't think they cover the seventeen and a half spread, man. I don't think. Fair enough. Gonna be, it'll probably be if it's a good game, like a good game for the Longhorns, they'll win by ten. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So our fourth game is another possibly could have been ranked game if Kentucky had taken care of business. But oh, uh, yeah. they're a good program. So it's Ken- Tennessee, number 21, going to Kentucky. Tennessee is a four-point favorite on the road. I think Kentucky, I just don't see them getting up off the mat and taking it to a ranked team even at home, just based on how they've played good teams this season so far. I don't think they're a bad team, but I just don't see Tennessee going in and losing. Tennessee really shit the bed against Florida earlier in the season. Yes. They should have won that game. And seeing how Joe Milton's been playing, um, Jalen Wright, like that team, they have a really good offensive team at Tennessee. And Josh Heupel has put together a really good, hey, don't don't forget about us. You're, you're focused on Georgia and Alabama. Don't forget about us. We had a good season the last two seasons. Like, don't forget about Tennessee. Uh, I really like what Joe Milton's been doing. And so... I have I have Tennessee winning this game. 
With that said, I don't think that it's going to be a runaway game for the Vols. I, I believe Kentucky's going to give them a little run because Kentucky is a good team. They're a good team. But here's um, why I want to bring this one up. And I, ha- I I can show you the screenshot here or the shot of my notes. I have it slash Kentucky because this was my, if I want to make up ground in the pick'em leaderboard, yeah, this is my pick-em. game. I might switch to Kentucky. I mean, look, we knew that Georgia was going to stop Kentucky, stomp Kentucky. Yeah, they're just happened. they're the class above everybody, other but than the, maybe but Michigan. Mizzou coming in, but then Mizzou coming in last week and just enrolling them. It's like, oh man, especially in the fourth quarter. Like, what the hell was that? Like Kentucky. And again, like, this may be Mizzou massively underrated. <laughs> yeah, Mizzou's, no, there Mizzou's were, good going, good football team. You know, they're six and one. I think they're getting disrespected by them being. Uh, not if they hadn't yet. lost that LSU game, we're talking a very different story. But they're six and one, though, Thomas. Yeah, like, I know. I, I know. One, how do you how do you like say okay? Well, that one game, like there are teams in uh, teams in the top twenty five. Like I think it was because it was at home. If it had been at LSU, nobody would have given a shit. Okay, okay. That that's, that's right. the only thing I can think of. Because man, they let LSU go absolutely ham on offense. Even though, again, I believe it was Old Miss that let them do the same thing. Where old they just absolutely nuked Ole Miss on the road, LSU did. So, yeah. like, at least on offense. But then, but then LSU only won by 10 points, so yeah. it wasn't like a huge blow. Exactly. Like, it was a tight game. At least like, back know, and they, forth. I, Mizzou's I, good I just, team. I think, they're, I think they're a good team, yeah. They, I don't I, see I, them I, crashing I, the playoff, but they're a good team. No, 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 no. But that's what I mean. I don't know if Kentucky can get off the mat from that, but... No, I don't think, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think Stoops think, is a good enough coach. He might be able to get him up for this game. Okay. And that's where I'm like, I I need to weigh myself because we'll get into the leaderboard here after our next game. Sure, sure. If I want to make up that one point difference between you and okay. me, this is my game to do it. Okay. So moving on to the fifth game, we got the game of the week. Undoubtedly, it's one of the few absolutely standout games of the week. Oregon, high flying Oregon with a decent defense going to face basically red Iowa in Utah, number 13 at Utah. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite, which I'm like, dude, are you insane? You're giving Utah Oregon a touchdown on Utah on the road? On the road. That's crazy. Utah, I mean, Utah is basically right now where they're at, prime Kirk Ferentz, Iowa, and that stadium is voodoo. Like Kinnick Voodoo. Like going to Utah is that level scary. Um one, it's it's in Utah. It's in Salt Lake City. The other thing is, is that Utah's defense is is highly touted in terms of talent, right? They're one damn of, good. Most, I believe they're number four talented. in several right in several of the yeah. like best in the country stuff. But here's here's the thing with Utah is that as good as that defense is at stopping stopping their opponents, they also have a tendency to give up chunks of yardage, not just drives. I mean, what I mean is they give up big chunks of yardage. And that's going to play a role in this game because that's how that's how Oregon operates. Mm-hmm. They it's not a dink and dunk with Oregon. It's strategic chunks of yardage, and that's how they made they made Colorado look bad, right? Like just like we're going to get you here for forty yards. We're going to get you here for fifteen yards. Here's another thirty yards. Like they chop at you, not not just nip. They chop at you. And when I stack these two together, I'm picking Oregon to this game. I'm picking Oregon. I I really like Utah. That was a team that I really liked going into this season. But Cam Rising has been put on the shelf that they announced yeah. this week. If he was playing this the season, year. they're oh, a playoff no. team. Oh yeah. If if they if they were if he was playing this season, they would be oh, They're man. the favorites to win the pack for me. If they if he was playing. 
Uh, because of that defense. Oregon's defense is good. That's the second best defense. Utah's is say, the best. I will say he doesn't have the receiving core that Washington does. But you but don't need do it with that level defense. With that with that defense. That defense gets turnovers. They, they you just they, need to they, be two they, to three drives, around, get yeah. points, and you're gonna and you're gonna win a ton of games. Yeah, if 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 Cam Rising was on that more like three or four drives, team, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, if he was behind center, they could beat Washington, but it would be a shootout. It'd be one of those games where it's a high scoring game because yeah. that's just you know Washington doesn't they have a, a middle of the road defense, but man, it just sucks that they have to struggle like this offensively because this this could have been such an amazing year their last year in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Well, the Pac-12, uh, Big 12. The Pac-12, this could have been an amazing year for Utah. But, like, you look at this, the, the lineup here, the Big 12. I'm sorry, I keep saying the Big 12. The Pac-12, and you can't you can't, uh, you can't, can't uh, ignore Oregon State still out there knocking people. I know. Out. Yeah. They're still like, hey, uh, don't don't forget about us, boys. Yeah. like We're here. You guys, are, you guys still like UCLA. You guys are all watching Colorado. But we're just out here winning football games. You know, that's what we're doing. That's what mm-hmm. we do. And, um, but, um, I think Oregon, their defense is athletic enough and, and good enough to, to they, they can make sure they can hold back Utah, but Utah just doesn't have anything at quarterback. Yeah. I just don't see them keeping up offensively. This to me screams close at halftime, close in the third, wheels come off in the fourth. I say that, but they're scoring thirty points a game offensively. But you know, a lot of that has to do with you know their 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 offensive. You know, they're just they're coaching. That uh, and that who they're been. who they've been playing defenses. Yeah, like it is USC, not exactly Cal, difficult Cal. to play to score on USC. Yeah, like you have to try to not score on USC. Like they're that's a bad D. Oregon's is not. Yeah, I, I get you. I, Oregon's is very athletic. You know, they're very fast and they're athletic. So I I'm picking Oregon in this game. Agreed. Yeah. This is my yeah. one of my like, but it wouldn't shock me if Utah wins games. No, no, not at all. I don't all. think it should not shock anybody. No, if, if if this this could be like this was one of those any given Saturday games where hey, we both like the we both like Utah. We've liked them all season. We know we were like hey, this is an underrated team or underappreciated team. They could be making waves, and they just didn't have a quarterback. They haven't. They can't find anything to settle on with quarterback. And but hey, Barnes could come out and throw for three touchdowns this week, and the defense can just. Bend but not break, and they could win by three points against Oregon. You know, yeah, could absolutely. Like, there's a world of possibility. Game, you know? Yeah, like, oh shit, like, you know, oh shit, it's a tie game, and they kick a field goal to win the game. You're like, oh crap, like, I wouldn't be shocked about it, but my gut says Oregon. Yeah, for sure. All right, so real quick, we'll get into our pick'em leaderboard, and then we got one more topic to close out the show on. So our pick'em leaderboard, uh, Fusion is leading at 26 points. So at 26 games, he's called correctly. I am at 25. Eddie is also at 25. Gamma is at 24. Shadow at 23. And Ty at 15 with the late start. I believe she didn't start picking until week four. So that is a very tight top of the leaderboard. Only a few games separate anybody. All it will take is you, me, and Eddie having a bad week, and all of a sudden this looks way different. Right. So uh, Eddie, Gamma, and Shadow, if you're watching this, and I timestamp this out, Maybe it's time to start metagaming because it's in week nine, man. You've got our picks. Maybe it's time to pick against. Let's spice this up a little bit. Uh, because of free wood burning, for those of maybe who are watching this, like I do custom wood burnings like what's on the wall behind me right up there. Um, so anybody that wins is going to get a custom wood burning of our pick'em, and we'll do it again next season. 
but this was just kind of a trial run with the with the new show and uh, i'm really excited about it because it's been a really fun uh year just doing this pick'em game and we might even expand the number of games next year too so yeah. stay tuned for that but time to get to our last topic right before last week's show week eight we got some late breaking news not really late breaking but it was in that afternoon where everything kind of like hey michigan's like facing some serious cheating allegations yeah everyone was like okay sign stealing in 2023 the fuck are we talking about and then more and more and more shit keeps coming out of just absolute like like you couldn't write this on a college football subreddit or team forum level like this is crazy so you've got connor stallions who's a former marine captain i believe um who had left i can't remember how many years he'd been hired at michigan but he was a fan and then volunteer and then they hired him if i'm getting the timeline right because he was so good at recognizing team signs that's weird where a guy shoots up and gets right next to a coordinator and they just keep taking him seriously that's a little weird now he could be an, a savant a savant you know like just clearly just oh i know what they're gonna do not that it's that hard when you're playing iowa Brian Ferentz basically all but tells you what he's doing. But against other teams, that's a little suspicious. Then it comes out, he's paying other guys, his friends, or random people he knows, hey, go to these games for me. Puts them right. in his own name. Pays on Venmo public transactions. Like, he completely missed, I believe it was, was it Barkley that was like, don't commit crimes with checks? Or was it Shaq? Right. One of the two. Like it was one of the, I think it was an in, was it was that was that an NBA on TNT quote? Was that was that when Barkley dropped that? I can't remember, but it was a great quote. Clearly, the guys never heard that because he did yeah, it in his own it name. Charles, it was Chuck. It was Chuck. Chuck Barkley. Yeah, I thought it was Barkley. I mean, that yeah. just I can just hear it in Bar in Barkley's voice. Like, if you're gonna break the law, don't write a check. Like he did it in his own name. Get cash. Like, come on, dude. Like, you can't do a discrete wire transfer or something with an LLC or trust name or something. You're going to use your own name. Right. And those people were on camera filming games in their entirety. It's one thing to have your phone up, you know, for, you know, five minutes at a time because you're, you know, you know, filming a player, like, you know, a sequence like towards an end zone or something. That's fine. Sure. But for the whole game, that's a mite suspicious. And this was all forwarded to the Big Ten, which was then forwarded on to the NCAA. And then now all these photos are coming out of him on the sidelines, holding like possibly other team sheets, team teams, sh plays, sheets of plays. I can't get the words out, but you know what I mean? Like it just keeps getting dumber and yet also kind of more insidious, even though it shouldn't because it's clearly so stupid. Right. So as you've watched all this coverage play out and like, I like listening to Rich Eisen and he's a Michigan guy. And he's all like, oh, it's much ado about nothing. And I'm like, dude, are you fucking high? Like, Iowa and Iowa State got their shit kicked in by the NCAA for guys gambling not even on football. And you want to tell me this is a nothing burger? Even if it just helped one play, they broke the fucking rules in a massive way. They're talking about taking them off sports books. You, do you understand how crazy that is? Michigan might not be a bettable team for the rest of the season. That is absurd. But it's 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 nothing according to the hardcore Michigan guys. But from the outside, Fusion, you're not even Big Ten affiliated. 
where do you go when you read all, like, where does your head go when you read all this stuff about the Michigan Stein sign stealing scandal? You mentioned it last week, particularly because of my fandom being from Houston. Um, you can liken it to a degree. Yeah, you've, with yeah, you've got a Houston connection Astros. there with the Astros. Yeah, so here's the thing about it, is that the Astro thing, I could always go on a deep rant about it because people that just say, I hate it because they cheated. There's a lot of different layers, and even so, there's another layer in that I used to work in the industry for 10 years, so I know a lot more about this stuff and, and, and things that I've seen and talked with folks about than you guys know about. I will tell you one thing. In baseball, and it's different with college athletes and professional athletes, okay? The reason why is the financial means of everybody involved, right? It's a very different thing of where the money's coming from. That's the start of it. The other thing is, is that in professional sports, particularly in baseball, a lot of this shit that happens with one team is happening with a lot of teams. Yeah, I asked you that last week, or I said that last week. If Michigan is doing it, the, the first question the NCAA has to ask is, who else is doing something like this, right? That's the first question. That's I'm talking about the big picture approach to it for the NCAA. Now, if you look it down with Michigan, with sign stealing just in general, my my thought is, and this is, I was very angry what happened with the Astros at the Astros. And it wasn't about that you're, you're mad that they got caught. No, I was, there wasn't a need for it when, when it's all Because clearly they were amazing hitters. It's hard yeah. enough to hit the goddamn ball. But with college, with football, it's a little different because you know what routes are being run. If it's a run play or a pass play, like this, like if you break that kind of that, if you break that lexicon of information from the other side of the field, you could get a major competitive advantage. And that's why people, a lot of people in any sport don't like the idea of sign stealing. With that said, my... I should I was, should also mention externally, like without outside of the confines of the game, gamesmanship, sure. like with between the lines or really yeah. between the white lines, like counting for coaching yeah. stance. Like, because yeah. like the Astros thing, while I was crazy, they were still doing it in the game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they weren't stealing signs from two months ago. No. They weren't creating a playbook for about it. exactly. But that's they, that's that's where the but, distinction but, for me but is. The thing is, is that in baseball, well, okay, let's just let's take the sign stealing thing from from what the Astros did, the Yankees did, the Red Sox. A lot of these teams did. Let's take this and put this aside. Let's talk about the construct of football versus baseball. What they what it's a big it's a big difference. I mean, it's okay for them to get information on other players, like they can find out how they tip pitches. From weeks ago, they can find like there's all these ways to create competitive advantages that's legalized, except for sign stealing, and that's baseball. With football, it's a little different for me, and but I still lean to the fact that it's your job as an as a as a head coach and your coordinators that you hired to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen. With that said, it's very different because you don't know what's happening. Like when a team is his staff are so to, huge. Yes, there's just so many different people. Where baseball, there's a handful of people. Pro baseball, we're talking about pros versus amateurs. And this is the for pro. me the argument for why the NCAA limits coaching time. Sure, because sure. the staffs are just like, how the hell are you supposed to keep institutional but control? See, but see, but see, but see, this is the thing: is that the nefarious part of this is what bothers me. It's a horrible. It's a pattern with Jim Harbaugh circumventing the rules. Like he's Charlie Murphy said this. He's a habitual line stepper. That is what Jim Harbaugh is. He's done this type of shit before in recruiting. 
uh, at Stanford. He did it. He's done it. He's 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 under the radar this year again at Michigan. And this whole thing, I'm not I'm not going to say that he was the mastermind of it because obviously he wasn't. He pro- but to say that he didn't have any idea of what was taking place, I find that very hard to believe. Now it's easy for him to disseminate the control of this whole thing to other people. And that's the dangerous part about this is that these people, like you said, volunteers that become staff members, like they're basically finding ways to circumvent NCAA rules, like how much time coaches have with players, how much time coaches can do this, can work on this, can work on this, how much time they can have their student, the athletes to sit down and go over game plans or opponent game plans. Like they, they, the NCAA limits all that, but they circumvent, they skate around it. Like an athlete is only allowed so many hours per day to work out. Well, if it's voluntary, it doesn't count. So you can voluntarily come in after your classes are done and spend two hours in the gym. Like, There's a lot of ways that coaches in college sports do that, right? This is another situation that's happening, but it's just a – I have – that's different than my thought on sign stealing. My sign stealing thought is it's your job to make sure other teams don't steal your signs. But in any sport, in amateur, professional, it's your job. That's your job as a staff. On the other side, I don't like the optics from Michigan here. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like it. The fact the money that's transferring around, the paying for plane tickets, like it's just it's a bad look for Michigan. And then, it, but it all started with Jim Harbaugh playing the the victim at the very beginning when that story broke last week to say oh, I had no idea this is happening. To where it's like the more that comes out, you're like, mm, it's hard. Yeah, to I don't think he should have made such a like. Yeah. Bold statement. I yeah, think that was because this yeah. is I was just kind of thinking this while I was chilling at work and I was like, you know, the ins like the Tar Heels, even earlier in the season, Michigan could thumb their nose at the NCAA and the PR was on their side. Sure. Your morals were on their side. Sure. You know, they don't have the moral high ground here. Nope. So playing that I'm not gonna give an inch card on this. That is a death, like, that could be a death blow to a program. Not in terms of, like, they're going to give that level punishment like SMU back in the day. That's no. not on the table. And the NCAA doesn't have the legality, like, the legal ground to probably do that anyway. But this is not, like, for Harbaugh, Vin- wins will probably va- be vacated, even though that doesn't really matter. That's a toothless penalty. No. I do, Like, you could have scholarship reductions. You could be calling about postseason bans. That's probably the most about- likely. We talked about this before the show. The ninety-day window does does prevent them from being yeah for this season. This they're season. they're kind of off the hook for this season beyond win vac- wins but, being but, vacated. But if they win the national title, does that technically have an asterisk behind it? Or no, not it really. Win? Because I want oh god, what team was it? Was it if someone in like oh four oh five got like the NCAA said they weren't champions, but they don't govern the AP. You know, like so the AP is still recognizing this national champion. Well, USC technically is listed like that because of the... Yeah, USC is like that. There was somebody else, too. Um, they was it... their wins yeah. and their BCS title was under yeah. under under the same... T- uh, same, same Did you kill your of, camera uh... and turn it back on? Me? Yeah, you're kind of staticky. Oh, How's that? Better. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was... I think, it was, I think you're thinking of USC, the Reggie Bush stuff. Is what caused yeah, there was a few teams in the early 2000s where this is the case. But, you know... Or maybe just two, not a few. They win the national championship. If Har- I don't see the NCAA throwing down the hammer on Michigan. I think they would 
I think they would be willing to be give them a penalty, but not a very severe one, if Jim Harbaugh is ousted. I can see that because obviously the NCAA is they're not fans of Jim Harbaugh. They're no, not. clearly not. Clearly, they're not a huge fan. And for so, me, I think this I, yeah. is more future punishment, not for this season. Okay. Because again, just timeline, logistics, how long it will take. Because then they have several months to respond to the allegations after the 90-day window. Like, they have 90 days to respond, and then they have so much time before they actually find out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it, it won't be until probably the spring we find out any punishments for this. You know, this is not something that's as cut and dry as the Iowa gambling stuff where the NCAA had all the information just given to them. Like, and it wasn't disputable in terms of what was true and what was not. Now, when it comes to the legal punishments, yes, there was dispute, but not with the what physically happened part. Sure. So that was very cut and dry, right? This is not because you're involving not just Connor, you're involving the other people. You need to get records. You need to line up. You need to get devices. You know, you need to find this trail. And then you need to do the, either the prove that Harbaugh knew like on paper or just yeah. go lack of institutional control. And if they can which do both, if they can do both, if they can do both, he's out of the NCAA coaching for the rest of his life, probably. That's essentially what happened with Joe Paterno at Penn State with the whole Sandusky stand scandal was lack of institutional control. Like you are, you've been there for, you know, 40 years and you mean to tell us you didn't have any idea, even though he was one of your closest confidants and you knew nothing about what was going on with Sandusky, like seriously, like we, this is the same thing with Baylor, institutional control with Art Bryles, a failure of it all. That's what happened with him and all. Yeah, he's going to get the hammer brought down on him on institutional control. I think and regardless. Those two, those two, and I'm not comparing what's happening with stealing, stealing signs to sexual assault. And, They're not the same level of moral like no, equivalence, no, not at all. I, I'm not trying to rank that. What I'm talking about is what the, how the NCAA says, like, okay, well, if the head coach of your head football coach of a major university essentially has just I think this would be the closest thing power. to the Rick Rick Patino situation. That's fair. That's, That's a, a closer analogy. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a very close one. Um it would be kind of interesting to see that we find out that like Jim Harbaugh is having sex with someone. <laughs> that would be crowds. great. That or he's pulling uh, a fucking Larry Eustace going to frat parties and getting nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but but um so but you you bring up a really good point. The NCAA right now are trying to their their job now is to connect Harbaugh to this whole thing. Yes, yeah, really and go for either doing. just institutional yeah. or prove he also knew. Yes, that's the. If they can thing. do both, I don't think he's ever coaching in the NCAA again. If they just do institutional control, he's going to get a show cause for however many number of years, right. maybe a season, maybe two, whatever it is. But it probably effectively ends his NCAA career because he'll probably just go take the Bears job. You got to imagine they're looking this season for a new head coach, especially if they He's, get the if they get the two top ten picks. Yeah, because it's conditional for the other one, right? It's conditional for the other one. Um, Arizona has two could have two top ten, top yeah. 10 picks. Yeah, and if they get two, you want to say like, "Hey, Jim Harbaugh, stay in the Midwest," you know, get two great picks. Russia, that's of, not terrible on defense. Yeah, you know, like their defense is not great, but like they got some pieces. So, and it depends on what they could get at the trade deadline or if they sell everything. Like, I, I could easily see him going there, but I just don't know how hard they come down on him. But clearly, this is a bigger deal than some of the diehard Michigan people are like. Because this involves integrity of the game. 
I didn't really think about that, man. You you bring up a really good point that he could be going to Chicago where he started his NFL career. Yeah. He's a Midwest guy. Yeah. Like, I could yeah. easily see that happening. I mean, it just, it's, it's fresh. If you're, if you're a Michigan fan right now. Because this how, team's damn fucking good, dude. Are, this team might be at, the best team in the country. They're good on both sides of the ball. Like not just good, just they not, are an elite on both sides of the not, ball. It's just that they're not tested because of their schedule. That's the big thing. But outside of that, like this is one of the best teams that Michigan, the like Wolverine fans have. This is Georgia had. last year, just and steamrolling teams. This like just it started. It started with his the recruiting thing, and then now this like. You have to be frustrated if you're a Michigan fan right now. Like yeah. you just have to be frustrated. Like, like how can this happen when we we could be having one of our best seasons ever? Like really, and like you said, it, it, nothing's gonna happen this season. For and as a fan, you have to be happy about that. But going forward, you're gonna just like a, a, the Astros for the last four. And then, like years, for Michigan, what happens if when Harbaugh goes? How far back down do they fall? Because like a, before Harbaugh, they were on Iowa's level. Which I I don't want to be like, hey, that's terrible. Iowa's a very good program. They're a top 40 program in the country traditionally over the last 40 years of, 45 years of college football. Even going back to the start of Fry's tenure. Like, but Michigan now is so far ahead of Iowa, it's scary. Them falling that far back down, that's bad for college football. So I definitely feel bad for not just Michigan fans, but kind of everybody because... This sucks. The only silver lining is it probably gets radios and helmets across college football. I think it's time for that. I think it's time. Yep, it's time. Like NFL has it. There's no need for college football not to have it. Yeah, I was. I I can't remember who I was watching. Was it was it a Lebertard show? Somebody was like, the reason they don't do it is number one cost, which is stupid because back in the day, sure, radios were probably pretty expensive. They're not now. Right. You could buy a dime a dozen shit at fucking Best Buy for like a hundred bucks. You're, you're going to be fine, right? Whether you want to go like the super encrypted route, I don't know. Because obviously with that many fans in the stadium, there's a lot of noise going on. Sure. So you yeah. got to like electrical noise. You got to deal with that. But that's not that hard to figure out. The NFL has been doing it for how many years? How many decades? When did they introduce radios in the NFL? Uh, Like, I'm going to say a decade ago. Like 10 years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when I first remember that because it was during, obviously, was, during my lifetime. I think it was, it was during, during my adulthood. Yeah, it was during the 2010s. That, 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 it's not like it's not that far back, but it's not that recent. It's kind of, I think it was in the 2010s. Yeah, because they only, it was more recently they started doing the defensive radios with the Mike yeah. linebackers. That's like the last six years. 1994 was the helmet radios, and more recently okay. was the Mike linebacker ones. Okay, it's the Mike linebacker. That I'm yeah, that about. one I remember because I was watching the Vikings defenses back when it was like EJ Henderson. It was that era Vikings team. So like mid-08s, mid, like 05 to 010, I remember them starting to do that. Cost-wise, it should be... It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that. Not, it's crazy. It's not a negligible number, but it's not something that's... Going Shocker, to... take it out of coach's head pay. Um, Second things... I was watching this the same show. I, 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 for the life of me, cannot remember. I should have put it in the notebook. I apologize. But they were like, it's a coaching thing. They don't want to have to teach college quarterbacks how to actually make those reads. Because you need to give them three options, they were saying. Number one, run or pass. Number two, what's the run coverage? Number two, what's the pass coverage? Right, so whichever they check into, what's the coverage doing? 
So what do I have to check into? What are my audibles for each of those two? So it becomes like a branch. All right, so you've got the three decisions. Runner pass, 1A and 1, 1B and 1C are, okay, then it's which run option, which pass option, which hot option, where's the blitz coming from? What's the D line doing? Like, where's the safety? Like, or how, like, are they playing cover two? Are they going cover zero? Are they going single high? Like, there's, it becomes a spider web of just so much more information to process for the quarterback. But as I think it was, oh, it was Rule, I think, that said this. Matt Rule, in his press conference about at Nebraska, about why he wants radios. He quickly said the no comment thing about the Michigan sign scandals. But it's like, it needs to be radios because he's coming from the NFL, right? Like it should be radios, and the reason college quarterbacks come in and struggle so much in the last 10 to 20 years is because they're not coached how to do it in college. The high-level ones are in high school because there are radios in high school, the really high-level ones. They do it. But yeah, in colleges, they don't. Yeah. They don't teach them how to make those reads on the fly on the field. They don't trust them, even though they're adults. So that's why someone like Justin Fields is having such a hard time because he just doesn't understand the idea. And maybe Whereas, he just had a struggling to get to get to that level of processing capability. Yep. You know, versus like somebody who maybe like CJ Stroud, you know, like he's absolutely nailing it right out of the gate, right? Like that's a piece of the puzzle for QB development that yep. coaches and columns don't want to take on because a lot of them are old school guys who've never done it. A lot of them are guys who never did the NFL. And when they were in high school, the radios weren't a thing. But now that more NFL guys are kind of coming back to college, like Matt Rule, right? Like, uh, is, it, is, is it Kingsbury that's gone back and forth? Uh, he, yeah, he's gone back and forth. Like, those kind of guys are happening more. And Harbaugh, too. Harbaugh. You're hearing to see these, like, hey, guys, it's time to stop this shit. Well, radios. You know, and now the sign stealing? Now, that bring you bring up a good point as you're talking through this. I mean, Matt Rule was at Baylor, then he goes to Carolina, then he comes back. Exactly. He's coming. He's coming from Texas Tech. Where was he? UFC, USC, Arizona. Where I don't, yeah. I don't I, know. Yeah. He's been he's OC at a few different spots. Yeah. But here's the thing is that Harbaugh, before he came to Michigan, was Niners. And damn good. But what I mean is, is like when you really think about it, maybe Harbaugh is more involved than he's letting on because he understands what happens with the lack of radios, the lack of headsets. Yeah, he gets like, hey, this is an edge. He understands how to create an edge because of the fact that he came from, you know, a system that had every quarterback had a, had a, had a, a radio in their, in their helmet, you know, which it, it, is that nefarious for me to say? Yeah, it's a little nefarious, but, I also, mean, not out of the realm of possibility with his personality. He's, he's got two strikes on him in this this season. Two strikes on him. This well, I don't think the hamburger thing was an absolute farce, but the like the recruiting stuff, the recruiting like the satellite stuff, camp the stuff. Yep, yep, that was like, okay, dude, you're really like, hmm, see, I'm doing nothing wrong while winking at the camera. Like, come on, dude, you're being yeah. you're being kind of a dick about this, right? And it, so it wouldn't stun me to find out that he knew. I don't think orchestrated. Again, I want to be very no, clear. Not, that was I'm clearly saying... the guy, Connor Stallions, clearly was doing this before he got the job. Yeah. But you wonder who knew he was doing it. And allow, that means someone in Jim Harbaugh's staff allowed it to continue after they brought him on to the payroll. Yeah. Which is, that's a bad look right there. And either they that's knew and let it happen or they didn't and let it happen. And it could be something as simple as Harbaugh saying, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, yeah, you know, 
even just I don't that hear about it. like that's, that's damning enough. in that's and enough. of itself that's enough that's enough for him to allow it as the head coach of one of the premier football programs in the entire country for him to if he, if he goes i don't want to know anything i don't want to know any more about it i don't want to hear about it you guys whatever that's enough that's enough mm-hmm. for me you know so it's going to be an interesting few weeks because i think the ncaa is pushing really hard to Oh, the other third piece was a different different podcast. This, I think, was a Levitard show where they were like, the other component is schools that the cost part is new helmets because the helmets that they're making now for college, they don't have room for the radio. Right. Like, and because they need to be concussion safe. So like that becomes an actual cost issue that the NCAA is going to have to be like, okay, how do we make this work? Do we reimburse programs for it? Especially like the HBCUs and like the other like programs that don't have historically successful ad programs how do we make this work do we start a collective you know like do we rate like do we raise funds from the more profitable institutions how do we make this work because clearly they have to it's we're gonna you, you and i will hear about the numbers in the spring Once for sure season, as soon as the season the wraps over, they're gonna start talking about there's radios I'm talking, yeah. number one new playoff format number two will yep. be what are they going to do with college football radios and yep. how will that change the game? And we'll get, we'll we'll hear cost estimates for the entire of college football. We're gonna yeah, hear about it's going to be wild because like you're going to get into states offering money for their for the state run schools and stuff to make this happen. It's going to be it's going to be something that moves probably pretty quickly in the spring once the season wraps. Right. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, just and I think that's a good button for the show. Uh, I think sure. we kind of said everything we needed to about the Michigan situation, other than that it sucks yeah. for Michigan fans. Yep. It sucks for college football fans because it casts this pall over everything this season. And it just, hopefully the silver lining is though, it does create a better environment and more consistent environment for the players and the fans from high school to NFL in terms of play calling and QB development and all that with the radios. So right. that should be hopefully something good that comes out of it. But uh, so that's our thoughts on our week nine preview and a little week eight recap. We'll be back next week to talk our week nine picks and results. Um, We'll go over the leaderboard. We'll go over uh, results of this weekend, like any crazy things that go down, like major Hail Marys and things like that. Like uh, here in Iowa, Drake, the the Drake Bulldogs had an awesome Hail Mary to, to win a game last week. That was very fun to watch. We'll go over stuff like that next week. Stay tuned. Hit the like, the subscribe, rate, leave review help that algorithm, and we'll see you next week.